The first scripture reading is taken from Psalm 82, which we'll find in the Old Testament on page 542. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk around in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I say, you are gods, children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Randall. You know, for a Sunday in July, in the middle of July, there's a great deal going on in the life of this church, which is a good thing. It's wonderful. Just to put the, the story you are about to hear into context, Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem. The Galilean phase of his ministry is over, so this is what he has come to do. Uh, the optimism, the big crowds, the happy feelings, these are mostly now in the rearview mirror. Jesus' mission is now becoming clear. The, the price that will be paid is becoming obvious, not to all, but to some. The, the teaching has a harder edge to it. Uh, and uh, the crowds are noticeably smaller. Everyone likes to be part of something new and exciting, but the, when the real work begins, uh, that's when you find out who is committed and who is not. Uh, at the beginning of chapter 10, which is where... Uh, our story for today begins, Jesus sends out 70 on a mission trip. Uh, this is not a youth group retreat where everyone stays in a, uh, a fancy retreat center and has nice meals and inspiring speakers. This is hard work. Jesus sent them out without a change of clothes. Uh, they were to wear no sandals. They were to heal the sick and then say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And don't be surprised, Jesus told them, if they close the door in your face. In spite of the difficulty of the trip, the 70 returned with lots of stories to tell. Uh, Jesus seemed uh, pleased by what he heard, and, and he was genuinely excited uh, with what they learned about doing God's work in the world. So that's where our story for today begins. The, the stakes are high. The, the work is serious. Uh, every word that is spoken now from here to the end is going to carry great weight. So uh, please join me uh, in reading this story. It's found in Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the shopkeeper or the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, these are, uh, uh, well, there are uh, many stories like this. There are stories in scripture uh, that we come to with our guard up. Uh, we hear these stories read and, and uh, we seem to know instinctively that we are not going to like the interpretation. Right now you are probably thinking that uh, you are not going to like what I have to say to you. It's as though you already know what's coming. Uh, this is going to be one of those sermons that cannot end well. Doug is going to tell us to open our homes to Syrian refugees. <laughs> A few years ago I was back in Michigan, the state in the U.S. where I am from. I was visiting my parents and uh, while visiting them I had a very difficult conversation with my father. I had several of these conversations over the years and this was one of them and it, it did not go well. And then on Sunday I went to church because when I'm on vacation I like to go to church and I like to sit in the back and I like not having any responsibilities. I just like to hear a good sermon. So I opened up the worship bulletin for that Sunday, and you are not going to believe this, but it is a true story. The scripture reading for the day was, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that I am giving to you. And I remember thinking, this is not going to be good. I already feel terrible, and now this preacher is going to beat me up, and I am going to feel worse than I do now. Early in my ministry, it may have been my first year after seminary, Susan and I were struggling financially. We had nothing, orange crates for furniture, uh, a typical story in, in some ways, and we weren't quite tithing at that stage in our lives. We were working toward it, but we weren't there, and, and then the sermon for the day, I will never forget this, the sermon for the day was about giving. It was the stewardship season at the church when I started there. And Fred, the senior pastor, was a powerful and persuasive preacher. I, I love him still. But in his sermon that day, he said, you know, the Old Testament standard was the tithe, 10% off the top, first fruits. But now, he said, the standard is different. In the New Testament, Jesus requires everything. He demands your life. And I remember thinking, no, no. Uh, I can't even measure up to the Old Testament standard and, and now this. So if you're worried about where the sermon is going today uh, and, and where I plan to go with this, uh, uh, how I'm sure to make you feel uncomfortable, I understand. Uh, I have spent plenty of time sitting where you are today. 
So please stay with me. Let's sort this out together. Not long after that mission trip I mentioned involving 70 of Jesus' followers, the story tells us that a lawyer stood up to test Jesus and asked him, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, first of all, it would be fun, I think, to pretend that this lawyer was like the lawyers we know today. Uh, I don't know exactly how lawyers are, uh, are regarded in Switzerland, but in the U.S., lawyers have one of the least uh, respected professions. Uh, doctors, military officers, firefighters, they always rank in the top five. Unfortunately, Christian pastors uh, don't very often make the top ten anymore, but they're not on the bottom either. Right? Uh, lawyers, though, always rank close to the bottom of this list. And everyone I know has at least one lawyer joke which uh, portrays lawyers as mean and cruel and selfish. A, a man once said to a lawyer, if I pay you 100 U.S. dollars, will you answer two questions for me? And the lawyer said, uh, yes, what's the second question? <laughs> so thank you, I have more where that came from. But the lawyer uh, in the story I read for you today is different. In the first century, lawyers were trained in religious law. Uh, I don't think Jesus or anyone else would have been immediately suspicious of this person or his question. Jesus certainly challenged the religious establishment, no doubt about that. But Jesus never challenged the law itself or its teachers. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. So if anything, Jesus seemed to be better at legal debate than anyone else. Uh, he was not opposed to these conversations. He relished them, and as it turns out, he was remarkably good at them. The conversation here, as a matter of fact, seems respectful and, and civil. Uh, yes, the lawyer uh, meant to test Jesus, but there's no suggestion, and I think this is important to see, there's no suggestion that uh, this exchange is anything more than it appears to be, namely a teaching moment in Jesus' ministry. What is far more interesting, I think, is that little word do, as in, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And as most of you know, the very heart of the good news is that there is nothing we can do. Right? Eternal life is a gift. It's free, and it's undeserved, and it's unearned. Interestingly, Jesus lets that go. I would have brought it up had I been in Jesus' shoes. Right? Because I'm trained to make that point all day long. But Jesus is very, very shrewd in these conversations, and, and, and so he plays along. Jesus instead asks the lawyer what the law says. The biggest to-do list in the world probably has something to say about this. And the lawyer, to his credit, goes immediately to Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your uh, soul and with all your might and your neighbor as yourself. To this Jesus says, absolutely right, do this and you will live. Now, I can't resist pointing out what I think Jesus is doing here. He's not denying grace because, after all, who can do any of that perfectly? Who can love God and, and love neighbor perfectly? Don't we all fail at that over and over again? And the lawyer seems to sense this, and he begins to look for a loophole, and, and this is, uh, of course, what we pay lawyers to do to help us find a way out. I didn't steal that money. It just happened to show up in my bank account. I didn't kill that person. He just happened to fall in the knife, which I had in my hand. Well, this is what lawyers do. 
So the lawyer in this story asked for a definition of neighbor. If we define the word narrowly enough, maybe we can still love our neighbor perfectly. Right? And meet the requirements of the law. So Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem. Uh, same guy, some guy, uh, no name. Uh, we don't know who he was, nor does it matter to the story. Uh, he was on the old Jericho Road, not a place anyone should travel alone. It was dangerous. Thieves and robbers were always lurking around the corner. And what do you know? This man was attacked and left for dead, half naked, bleeding, money gone. The first person to see the man lying there, helpless, was, did you catch it? A priest. Oh good, help is on its way. But no, the priest keeps his distance and goes to the other side of the road so as not to come in contact with this injured man. To be fair, uh, the priest had certain uh, purification requirements. Right, so being in contact with this poor soul was out of the question. But wait, another person is coming along. He's a Levite, not a priest, but a religious worker. Certainly he will help, but no, he also goes to the opposite side of the road. He doesn't even feel for a pulse. Right, he just keeps walking, best not to get involved in these things. Who knows what could happen? Who knows what sort of disease this man is carrying? But then a, a third person comes into view. There's a great deal of traffic on this road. Uh, and that turns out to be good news for the person lying in his own blood by the side of the road. The third person, and it's painful to say this word, the, the, lawyer, the uh, lawyer can't even bring himself to say this word at the end of the, the parable. The, the third person to come along is a Samaritan. He was moved with pity. The story says not pity... Uh, I mean, no pity at all in the other two, uh, but here is an emotional response to the pain of another human being. And so he went to the man, he washed and bandaged the wounds, he put the man on his own animal, walked alongside until they came to the inn, where the Samaritan cared for this injured man. When the Samaritan left the next day, he gave the innkeeper two denarii, along with a promise to pay more if more was required. A denarius, you may recall, was roughly equal to a day's pay, not a fortune certainly, but not a small sum either. At that moment, as I imagined it, uh, the, the crowd listening to this fascinating conversation between Jesus and the lawyer would have been very, very quiet. Occasionally this room becomes very quiet too. And when it does, I know that you are listening, I don't always know if you are agreeing, but I know that you are listening, and the crowd that day was listening very, very intently. And Jesus said to the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And as I mentioned, the lawyer could not bring himself to say the word Samaritan. So the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. So powerful, but also so disturbing. Instead of answering the question, who is my neighbor, Jesus said, be a neighbor. Be a neighbor. Be a compassionate neighbor to those in need. This is not about identifying those around us who might, might have a need, which is probably what you thought I would do with this sermon for today. And it was tempting, to be honest, in other words, to start listing all of those people in our world who need our compassion today. But Jesus focused his attention back on the lawyer. 
And in effect, Jesus said, you. You well-educated person, you self-confident person, you who dare to stand and ask me this question, you need to think of yourself as a neighbor. You need to open your heart to the people with whom you come into contact each and every day. A number of years ago, a famous experiment was conducted on a seminary campus. And it just so happens uh, that this experiment took place in the campus of the seminary or theological school where I attended a few years before I was a student there. What happened was that researchers gathered some students in a classroom and told them that they uh, wanted to film them talking about the parable of the uh, Good Samaritan. The problem was that the recording studio was on the far side of the campus and because of a tight recording schedule, they would all need to hurry over, and they were released one by one. The students didn't know this, but the researchers had hired an actor to play the part of a man in distress. He was lying on the path that the students would have to take to the recording studio, and he was coughing and moaning in, in considerable distress. I mean, what would happen, the uh, researchers wondered, when these students who were preparing for a life of ministry, caring for God's people, what would happen when they actually encountered someone in need? The story, as you might have guessed, does not turn out well. Almost all of the students rushed past the hurting man. One student even stepped over the body uh, on the path uh, to get to the recording studio where he was going to explain the parable of the Good Samaritan. The temptation, of course... My temptation is to be critical of the students. Maybe the temptation is to be critical of the seminary they were attending. Uh, and, and a great deal has been written about this little study, none of it flattering. But the truth of the matter is, putting the, the truth of this parable into practice and actually being a neighbor and thinking of ourselves as neighbors to the whole world that is exceedingly hard to do, especially for busy and important people such as ourselves. To become a neighbor, which is what Jesus is asking us to do here when he says go and do likewise, re requires a change of heart. I, I think we know what we need to do. I think we get it intellectually. The, the challenge in the first century and the, the, the challenge in the 21st century is to have a changed heart. After two and a half years uh, here, I know many of you quite well. Uh, many of us at IPC know our Bibles quite well. I mean, it's, it's astonishing uh, to me sometimes when I hear you talking about the Bible. Uh, many of you can cite chapter and verse. I mean, I know my Bible pretty well too, but I did not grow up in one of those traditions where uh, it was expected that we would know chapter and, and verse. And so uh, you might expect me to say, well, as Paul says in, in Romans 5 verse 25, I, didn't, uh, I don't do that very well, but I know many of you, uh, I know that many of you do. And as I said, I'm astonished when I hear it. I know that many pastors would love to have a congregation with such well-versed uh, Bible scholars. But the lawyer in our story for today was well-educated in Scripture too. His problem was not an intellectual one. What Jesus recognized was that he needed a changed heart. Our world, as you know, is in considerable turmoil right now. Back in the country where I come from, there is considerable turmoil as well, and an explosion of racial hatreds. And Christian people are being challenged to respond. 
Uh, I think we know what to do. Uh, our problem is not an intellectual one. If a Facebook post or a Twitter response were all that was required from us, may my eternal life would be secure. But Jesus isn't looking for an intellectual response. He is looking for a changed heart. A heart that responds with compassion and mercy and love. And I suppose the point of the parable is that if a, and I hate to say the word, if a Samaritan can do it, why can't we? Will you pray with me? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this parable, difficult as it is. We thank you for Jesus' teaching, which we resist, which is sometimes difficult to hear, and yet we pray that you will press it on our hearts. Uh, Help us. Give us the grace we need to become the people you have in mind for us to be. Give us the changed hearts that we need. And then help us to be the people who respond with compassion and mercy and love to the world around us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.